I think if you're grounded and genuine and kind, success will find you. Fred Rachani of TSC, we have right here on the line a very special guest. You may know his work from Man in the High Castle, from Ghost of Tsushima, for AMC's The Terror. We are talking to actor Lee Shorten. Lee, thank you so much for the time. How's everything going? That's great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. Is that your dog or your cat? Oh, my cat. Sorry. I'll just... <laughs> it's all good. Hey, we're cat people here, so that's a, a, totally fine by me. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. All good. Um, uh, life's good. Life's good. It's uh, it's getting a little cooler here, but LA cooler is not like East Coast cooler. So, uh, yeah. You know how it is surviving the pandemic, I guess. As a gamer, I got to ask you about your role in Ghost of Tsushima. It was a thrill for me, too, because I, I was part of the director's cut, and I, I played the base game as well and loved it. Like, I was a huge fan of the game, and I've been a huge fan of Sucker Punch for years. Um, so then I got this audition for – and at the time, you know, they don't tell you what it is or whatever, but I was like, oh, is this is this Ghost of Tsushima? Is this a sequel or something? And then it was the the DLC, the, the Icky Island expansion, and then to be playing, like – Kazumasa Sakai was kind of like uh, it was like an unreal kind of dream come true thing. It's pretty incredible. And and how different has that been from some of your other work, whether it be in voiceovers or just acting in general, in terms of like the overall process? Most voiceover I done before was cartoons, and this is my first you know AAA video game. I've done some mobile games and stuff, but nothing like this. So this was the first time I'd been down in like the mocap stages and and done all that kind of thing. And it, it was really cool. The only unfortunate thing was was that because it was in the pandemic um we couldn't record together like in the original they'd recorded together even you know even when they were mocapping but i was just by myself which was a bit of a bummer because i wanted to work with everyone but it, it was still a wonderful experience that's awesome and another cool thing you're i mean you've been involved in a lot of cool things but another cool thing you're involved in specifically is a little show called squid game and you were telling me <laughs> off the air you did some english dubbing that i don't think a lot of people are, are, know which is pretty freaking cool i mean it's only the number one or number two most streamed Netflix series of all time. What was it like getting hooked up with Squid Game? And when you were doing the English dubbing, did you have any idea uh, of the scope of this production? You know, again, that was just the usual, like a uh, audition came in and, uh, oh, no, actually, I don't think I did audition. I, I, I do a little bit of dubbing for Netflix, you know, uh, and I think I'd just done a show with the same director and then they just asked me to come in and do Squid Game. So I didn't audition for that one, actually. And, uh, I do remember in the session just watching a couple of scenes and I thought this looks like a really cool show. I, I had no idea it would be, you know, the level that Squid Game was going to go, but I did think, oh, this is pretty cool. I think people will dig this. So. I interviewed a few of the voice actors and they told me that they only essentially did their scenes. So whatever they saw was the perspective of their character. Was that the case for you where you kind of thought it was one type of series and then all of a sudden it, you realize the scope after watching it? I did a bunch of characters on that show so i came in and did a lot of just like randoms and guest stars and stuff so i i guess i got to see maybe a bit of a broader perspective than some of the others but then i maybe didn't see the depth because i wasn't you know like well i wasn't like uh gihan or anyone so and, and of course as I, as I mentioned before you're, you're part of amc's the terror amazon's the man in the high castle you were part of swan song as well i mean very impressive resume up to this oh, point been really cutting you. your teeth props to you but, of course, every journey has a beginning. So, growing up, did you want to get into acting? Uh, <laughs> I did not. I did not. Uh, when, I was, when I was really little, I wanted to be a doctor. And then I wanted to be a musician. 
Um, so uh, acting had was never really on the radar. Were you a lawyer or studying to be a lawyer prior to getting into acting? Uh, I, I was a lawyer. Yeah, I went to law school and everything, and then worked as a lawyer for a couple of years, and then hated it. So. <laughs> Wow. So when, so when did you realize like, okay, like I want to be an actor, right? Did you, did you have like a period where you were exploring other career paths or did you know as soon as law was making you miserable, like, damn it, I got to get into showbiz. <laughs> um, I, look, I, I, I've always loved film and TV. Like when I was a kid, I had, you know, the, the DVDs and I'd watch all the extra features and the DVD commentaries and, and everything. And, you know, um, I, I was always super into it. So then my liberal arts undergrad major was film studies and I, you know, even loved it even more. And I always thought that if I ever went into the arts, I'd be a director. Um, cause that's kind of like the, what I'd grown up thinking about, you know, thinking about film more critically, mm-hmm. but then, you know, it made sense to my lawyer brain, but like now I know what I know about the industry. It's really stupid. But when I was thinking about transitioning into film, I thought, well, you know, if they make one movie, there's only one director but there's like 30 actors in the movie. So statistically it must be easier to be an actor. Hmm. So I'll just try acting to get my foot in the door was like the original kind of thought process. And and as far as your law background, um, what law did you practice specifically? Uh, The most exciting kind tax law. Oh boy. (laughs) All right. So I would, (laughs) I, I would like to assume and correct me if I'm wrong that, that means you might be pretty good at when it comes to negotiating contracts, keeping track of your finances, anything like that. I'm assuming that's kind of helped you when, when being in Hollywood. You know, uh, obviously I have agents and, and stuff that look out for me, but it has been useful in terms of like indie filmmaking. And a lot of my friends are indie filmmakers. So, uh, I, you know, I've been good at looking at their contracts and, and that kind of thing. So that's where it's been useful. Hey, it, w- it worked out in the long run, right? You know, yeah. Couple yeah, years we'll of the path or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what would you say was your big break? Uh, I don't think I've had it yet, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know what a. He's, what he's would a, you say? What would you say is you, helped you really get your foot in the door where now you are a, a consistent working actor who's really getting some notoriety? Um, that was very kind of you to say. Um, I mean, I think, I think it all really started with Man in the High Castle. Um, I, you know, I was lucky to get that early on in my career and it turned into something it wasn't supposed to be. And I just learned a lot on that show. And I think that show had a bit of pedigree. So, um, it, I think it's been kind of my calling card in, in a lot of respects. Was it tough for you to go all the way from Australia to LA? Did it, did it happen like right away or did you initially take acting gigs there before transitioning to the States? Uh, no, I'd never, um, I, I'd never acted in Australia and, um, the market there's kind of small and and it is like super super white like like even wider than the american market although wow. obviously it's better these days but uh but i went to vancouver first and then i i transitioned to la after a few years in vancouver i've interviewed a few guys from from vancouver one of my good friends is a, is a stunt person and actor there and oh, yeah? i mean that that is low key one of the bigger cities and better cities when it comes to showbiz totally i mean i think it's it's the biggest hub outside of New York and LA, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's like right behind them. You mentioned Australia, very white. I look at America and while things have gotten better and showbiz and workplaces in general, there's still a long way to go. So comparatively, let's just stick with America. When it comes to diversity, do you think that we're heading towards a good place as an Asian actor? Lately, definitely, it seems like we are. Um, I'm always a little hesitant and like, you know, I'm the cynic of our little group. 
because I, you know, every, after Crazy Asians, everyone was like, oh, this is it. Everything's going to be different. And I, you know, remember they said the same thing when Joy Luck Club came out and they said the same thing when Better Luck Tomorrow came out. And, um, you know, there was a while where, you know, Jet Li and Jackie Chan were everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I hope, I hope, like things are better right now, but I hope it's like a permanent change and not a flash in the pan, if that makes sense. Realistically speaking, it's not just about getting more representation, but also making it the norm, right? Like making it normal. Like, like one day we hope it's not a big deal that there's like an Asian or black led film or uh, LGBTQ presence. It should just be standard. Right. We're exactly like, you know, reflecting the world around us. Totally. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, we always like to ask our guests some kind of random rapid fire questions just to get to know them better are you ready yeah i love it all right favorite late night snack or cheat meal oh god uh i mean pizza's a good cheat meal um i don't really do late night snacks all right all right you said you said pizza not this is of course a new york show so i'm a little biased here have you had some new york pizza and what'd you think if you did i have and it was awesome okay there you go any, any particular pizza you dig Look, this is controversial, but I I am a Hawaiian man. Okay, oh, pineapple on your pizza? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, all right. You you, you are forgiven, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> all time favorite actor? Off the top of my head, I'll say Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, he, he he was absolutely brilliant. You said you're a gamer, which which made my eyes light up because I'm a gamer as well. We cover gaming extensively. Uh, what are you currently playing, and what's your all time favorite game? Oh. These are good questions, man. Uh, I'm currently playing Dark Souls 3. Uh, did you play Dark Souls? I play it, but it, that game is so hard. I'm a baby yeah. with that. It's like I, I die once or twice. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> um, and then my all-time favorite game. Wow. Um, Besides Ghost of Tsushima, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, you know what? You know what is an underrated gem, which I love and revisit all the time, is Planescape Torment. Ooh, I'm gonna have to check that out. What con- what uh, console's on? Oh, it's old. It's like an old PC game, like in the Baldur's Gate era. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Awesome. What's your all-time favorite movie? Seven. Yeah. Let's go with Brad Pitt, right? Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. What's an underrated project on your IMDb? Of course, we know you for a lot of the major series you've been a part of, Ghost of Tsushima, all that jazz. Uh, but is there one thing on your IMDb that for anybody watching, listening to this, that you'd love them to check out? Something that maybe you don't think gets enough love? I guess I've been kind of lucky in that uh, I feel like a lot of my stuff has got this requisite. You know, I they cut my scene, but uh, I feel like you should all check out Noel, the Anna Kendrick, Bill Hader Christmas movie, especially because it's the season, right? Yeah, so. awesome. Are you a Christmas guy? Do you like Do you like the holiday season? I worked in retail for like ten years, <laughs> which, which badly soured me on Christmas. But as I've gotten older, I've fallen back in love with it. Hey, as somebody who worked in retail for 10 years as well before uh, getting into the showbiz and everything else, let me tell you, like, the more far removed you are from retail, the more you enjoy the holiday season again. Right. You don't have to deal with people. <laughs> right, God. Most, you know what? I was going to ask you what your most awkward moment as an actor is, and I'll ask that in a second. But I got to ask you, what's your most awkward, wacky moment in retail? Because, I mean, we, we all see it, right? There's always a Karen or... Some some crazy. You mean like the weirdest people in retail? Is there any story that comes to mind this holiday season? This happened many, many, many times. To be honest, like because I grew up in a in a small rural town in Australia that was like like very white, and so many times, you know, a customer would talk to me on the phone because I worked in the like the CD department, and they come in and they'd come to the desk and be like, 
hey, like I was just talking to Lee earlier, and I'd be like, yep, that's me. And you would just see them, their brain would be like, but you're Asian. Like they couldn't process. I'm like, yes, but that was me. I'm, I'm just me. <laughs> and then I remember I had one guy once, he was like, all right, but what kind of Asian are you? And I'm like, <laughs> well, you know. And he's like, this is very important because it's like I fought it, which is understandable. I'm just like, you know, in a, in a weird way. He's like, I fought in the war. And if you're Japanese, I'm just like, I'm, I don't even want to look at you. And I'm like, okay, sir. Well, I'm, I am certainly sorry to hear that. I, I could share a story with you real quick. Um, yeah, I, please do. You know, I, I had this. The, so I'm Lebanese in Venezuela and I'm, I'm fluent in Arabic. And I had the, these two dudes that were just, I don't know, a couple just talking all this crap about me in Arabic. Like, I'm just trying to do my job, sell my TV. And they're saying all this stuff, all this crap that I could totally understand that they don't know because, you know, I look like just like regular white boy or whatever. And then as I, like, I rang them up, everything else sent them on their way. I said, shukran, which is uh, thank you in Arabic. And they just looked at me like, oh, my God. Like, they just felt so embarrassed. I was like, yeah. yeah that's cell phone. Good for you. Good for you. I'm sorry <laughs> that happened. Good hey, it, hey, it, it happens, right? Uh, as far as an actor, being an actor, what's your most awkward moment as an actor? It could be like a funny moment too. Like if we're at a party yeah. or something, you know what I mean? And it's like an embarrassing story that gets that makes you laugh now that maybe wasn't funny then. Like, you know, anything that comes to mind? Well, I'll tell a funny, like it got cut again, but like in Swan Song, there's a bit in in, in the script and we shot it, but you know, whatever. But uh these things happen. Uh where uh Mahershala Ali's character wets himself while he's asleep and then I'm supposed to like clean it up because he's like unconscious. And I remember we there's like so many jokes just that day about how that was all going to play out. And like they had like the scene, there's people talking while I do it. And, you know, the, all they gave me this one cloth on the first take and the scene goes forever. And I'm just down there just like wiping up this imaginary pee for so long. And then we cut and everyone was just like, yo, what were you doing down there, man? You were down there for like forever. So. That's hilarious. And and what was it like working with Maharshal Ali? That guy is such a badass. His range is is, is incredible. I, I'd imagine you got a kick out of working with him. Oh, yeah, man. That was uh, it was surreal because, you know, again, I'd been a big fan of his for a long time. Like his body of work is, is so impressive. As you say, his range is incredible. Obviously, he's a two-time Oscar winner. So, you know, uh, Every day was just like a masterclass. Just just getting to watch him work and observe him and listen to the, the questions he asked and the things that he did. It was it was surreal, man. It was so good. Cannot say and, enough good things about it, it or him. That, that's awesome. And, and you know something that just came to mind too. Another actor, somebody I actually interviewed a couple of times. I haven't talked to him in a while, but Kerry Tagawa. Oh yeah, yeah. The original OG from Mortal Kombat. I mean, that guy is awesome. What was it like working with him? Yeah, we didn't. We we rarely shared um, scenes together, but uh, I mean, I got to know him over the course of the thing. And uh, I'm like, you, dude. I'm like, my God, it's Shang Tsung. Like, it's <laughs> like you know, that was kind of a surreal experience. But then meeting him, and you know what, Carrie's like, he's so much more like, yo, just the energy and the vibes, man. Yes, he's so, so he's so yeah. mellow and chill compared to some of the characters he played. It's it's insane. You could just like kick it with him and just right talk so that was that was a weird disconnect and like obviously i know we're all actors but his was such an extreme you know 180 i was like whoa what's the best piece of advice you give for success it's always such a weird question because like i don't i don't know what success is you know i think i think i think if you're chasing success you're probably setting yourself up for failure and, and i know it can be difficult but i think you know it's always that thing of like you just have to be very grounded at all times and have a very good support network around you. Um, 
and just be kind of find find the little wins and the things that that help you each day whether or not you know that's like a totally unrelated hobby or whatever and then i think if you're grounded and genuine and kind success will find you and before i let you go sir where can fans find you online and where can we find you next on screen uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LC Shorten. And, uh, well, you can catch Swan Song on Apple TV Plus on December 17th. Uh, and then there, I wish I could talk about my other project, but I can't. But uh, check back in early next year. I think we'll have something else to talk about. Too. Well, you know what? Since, since you can't talk about the other projects except for Swan Song, let me just ask you about that. In, in, in a couple lines or less, why should people tune in? Two words, Mahershala Ali. Like, like, like honestly, uh, he delivers two performances that are just like it's next level in just the nuance and the complexity and the subtlety of what he's doing. Phenomenal. But also, uh, you know, the script by Ben Cleary, the director, it is, it's a really lovely story about family and love and mortality. And I think, you know, it raises some interesting questions and will kind of hopefully, you know, it's the kind of film where afterwards you want to call your loved ones immediately and just be thankful for them, you know? Yeah, we will definitely check it out. Swansong Apple TV Plus, uh, December 17th, right? That's correct, sir.